appreciate that. I want to also welcome those who are listening remotely or at home and other places. Glad you're able to be with us as well as those who are able to be here in person in the sanctuary. What a blessing that we can worship together. This morning, we're in Matthew 6, 25-34, as we look at the issue of worry. Kind of the opposite of thanksgiving, how we need to have thankful hearts. Also mention not just the children, but on the Wednesday for Thanksgiving, we we'll always cancel all activities, so stay home, be with your family, cook turkey, get ready for that day to, uh, to be together. Uh, Matthew 6, 25-34, when you find that standing God's honor. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray. Master, we are grateful that you have allowed us to be in your presence today, Lord. Father, so often we forget you. Lord, we, I don't know, we get in our own little world. And we become self-indulged. And often when that happens, Lord, worry sets in. And we forget about you. You love us, Lord. And this morning, as we look at your word, Father, we'll be reminded of why we need to be filled with thanksgiving instead of worry. And so I just ask that you might speak to our hearts. Father, we invite you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Lord Jesus, we invite you. Um, just fill this place and help, may we continue to worship you as you have led thus far. Continue to lead us in this hour. In your name we pray. Amen. I guess over the past couple of years there's a verse that has come to my mind over and over again. I want to share the first part of it this morning. It's Hebrews 12.15. Hebrews 12.15, the first part of it, says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Now, when we're not thankful, guys, there's a reason. It's because we have missed the grace of God. You've looked around you, and, and for some reason you don't see the grace of God. You missed it. And, and when you miss the grace of God, you don't have a thankful heart. You see, 
goes hand in hand. A thankful heart means you see the grace of God that, that's around you, how God has blessed you, how He's touched your life, how He's worked in you. And, and what happens when we don't see the grace of God? We begin to worry. How in the world am I going to survive this? How in the world can I get over this obstacle? How will I be able to pay this bill? Or how will this relationship survive? Or, or this health issue that I have? It, it, it becomes too great because we don't see the grace of God. Maybe you heard this story about the executive who he, he was so troubled and he was so worried he could barely function. He couldn't sleep at night. Finally, he came up with an idea. He was going to hire a worry consultant. This consultant, his job was to worry about everything. So the executive wouldn't have to worry. He was going to, the executive decided he'd pay him $1,000 a day. Because, you know, it was a big job. Things were going great for the first few days. Uh, the executive was so happy, you know, it was just, life was just so much better since he wasn't plagued with this mountain of constant worry. Finally, uh, one of the advisors of the executive came to him and said, there's just one problem, Charlie. He said, I don't understand. How are you going to afford to pay this guy $1,000 a day? We don't have in the budget. He said, well, that's for him to worry about. Isn't it wonderful to know that we have a God whose resources never run out? The idea is that we don't have to be plagued by constant worry. Although we often find ourselves falling into that, uh, that trap. Um, I want to turn with me to Luke chapter 10 as there is a example I often quote we got to pick on poor Martha uh, as we see at the end of Luke chapter 10 a familiar account that uh, reminds us of uh, Martha to be worried uh, is to be distracted to be ill at ease to be unable to think clearly and that's Martha uh, starting at verse 38 of Luke 10 as Jesus and his disciples were on their way he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said but Martha was distracted see that, that's that picture of worry but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? <laughs> Tell her to help me. What happened to Martha? She got so caught up in entertaining Jesus. She got so caught up in making sure that it was going to be a perfect day. And, and she had this list of how can I make this a perfect day? I have to do this, and I have to do this, and I have to do this, and I have to do this. And it consumed her to the point that she was missing Jesus. Notice how Jesus responds to her. Verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. One commentator in verse 42 translated it to say, uh, Martha, only one dish, only one portion of food is needed. We don't need this major banquet, you know, maybe just some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Or, you know, just something simple, Mary. 
Because what matters is that we're together. What matters is that we're here, not all the other stuff. Your sister has chosen that, and she's chosen what's better. Um, it's hard to be thankful when you're, when you're caught up in the worry, when you're caught up in, in that performance mode for everything to be just right. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, Jesus gives five reasons why worry uh, should not be a part of the life of the believer. Um, as you go back actually to the verse right, right before Matthew 6, Jesus shares, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God. Made me think of uh, a verse in Hebrews where Jesus said, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For uh, God has promised, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. That idea of com contentment, you can, you can trust God. You, and and when, you, when you do trust God, um, worry <laughs> will be like a weapon uh, as against you to assault you. And, and so we need to look at these five arguments. First one here, found in verse 25. Worry keeps you from enjoying what you have. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. This is not saying, hey, you don't need to be... It's not saying be irresponsible. I mean, you, you, you need to be responsible. You need to be accountable. Of course, there are things you have to do. You have a role. But you're not supposed to be Mr. and Mrs. Fix-It to the point to where you have no rest and you have no trust and you have no peace. But there's never contentment. There's never a sense of seeing the grace of God in your lives. It's amazing how we can get trapped to the point of what we do not have that we're unable to enjoy what we do have. Uh, there's a story of Tom, Thomas Carlyle who had built a, uh, a room to sleep in, a bedroom, that was almost completely soundproof, but not quite. He had one problem. In the middle of the night, he couldn't sleep because his neighbor had a rooster that crowed about three times a night. So finally, he just got so frustrated that he went to his neighbor and he said, You've got to get rid of that stupid rooster. He keeps me up all night. And the neighbor said, Well, I'm sorry, but I don't understand. He only crows maybe three at the most, four times a night. He said, yeah, but you don't understand the pain I go through waiting for him to crow again. Isn't that how, I mean, that's how we are with worry. When's the next thing going to hit? When is someone going to pull the rug out from under me? When does the next bout with suffering enter in? in? Alright, uh, next one. In verse 26, worry makes you forget your worth. Notice Jesus' words. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not much, Are you not much more valuable than they? As he talks about the birds, he says, Hey, 
God's taking care of those birds. You don't see words dropping, I mean birds, words. You don't see birds dropping dead. You don't see too many tongue twisters. You don't see birds dropping dead from stress. Oh gosh, I got clogged arteries in my heart. Just too much worry. Bop. And the bird stops singing. That's not the way it works. Why? Because the, that's not how the bird operates. <laughs> the bird is able to function uh, because of God's goodness, God's grace. Uh, you know, it doesn't work that way. And he says, hey, he is not. Notice it doesn't say here the bird's heavenly father. Your heavenly father. Think about it. God is your heavenly father. He's my heavenly father. He loves you. He knows your dilemma. He knows exactly the mess you're in right now. He's there. He's there. He, uh, worry makes you forget that. Your worth. Third, by the way, worry is just completely useless. Verse 27. Can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? Someone said worry is like a rocking chair. You know, you rock all day and get nowhere. It's useless. You can't add any time by worry. It doesn't help. Uh, it also says, um, talks about, or can you gain any height by it? Add any cubits to your height is, a, is another possible translation of that. You don't grow. Yeah. Oh, y'all know, I always loved basketball when I was younger. I thought, if I could just grow three or four more inches. You know what was really painful? I quit growing in the eighth grade. I was actually kind of tall in the eighth grade. I had hope. But it quit. It stopped. That was it. It was over. Doesn't do me any good to worry about it. You know, I'm done. Finished. And what I can tell you, actually shrink as you get over. Oh, quit that. But it doesn't help to, to sit around and, and, and worry. And, and, and that's the point there. Because um, you go down through here, he, he, he talks about that. Um, verse 28. And, you worry about clothes. And he talks about the lilies of the field. Watch how they grow. They, they don't labor or spin. He says, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you <laughs> of you of little faith? He say, God, God will take care of you just like those flowers that, that end up in the furnace uh, they're so beautiful, and he'll take care of you. It's that picture of trust. A Scottish preacher of another generation, Ian McLaren, shared these words. He said, What does your anxiety do? It does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it does empty today of its strength. It does not make you escape evil. It makes you unfit to cope with it when it comes. God gives us the power to bear all the sorrow of his making but he does not guarantee to give us strength to bear the burdens of our own making, such as worry induces. Next one. Worry erases the promises of God from your mind. Look at verse 31. So, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear. Don't forget about God's promises to you. Um, yeah, learn his promises. Uh, um, seek to live in his promises. And, and, and man, that just cuts the worry out when, when you're able to get a hold of God's heart. 
And know that He loves you and, 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 and He's working in your life. Romans 8, 31 and 32. Beautiful section of Scripture. You guys know it. It says, God, if God be for us, who can be against us? Hey, you remember that? Hey, God's on... God loves you. He's with you. <laughs> and then the next verse, beautiful verse, says, He who did not spare us His own Son. It says, How will He not... Uh, who did not spare us His own Son, not graciously give us all things? I mean, really. Just a great thing that He'll, he'll provide. He'll meet the need. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? In other words, he went to the cross. What more do you want? What more evidence do you need to know that God cares about you, that, he's, that he can't be trusted? Sometimes we just forget, and, and, and we're miserable because we're not living in his promises. I love the story W.A. Criswell told of a young man who came to him and wanted to put Jesus first in every area of his life. He was a bright, young entrepreneur who started a company, and at first he was only able to bring home $40 a week. But he made a covenant there before uh, his pastor and before the Lord that he was going to give 10% of what he made to the Lord. So out of that $40, he gave $4. But God began to prosper him as his business began to grow. And a couple of years later, he was making $5,000 a week, so he was having to tithe $500 a week. And God was blessing him. He was worried about this. So he went to his pastor, and he said, Pastor, I'm really worried about this. This is getting to be too expensive. $500 a week to tithe? That's a lot of money. He said, are you sure there's no way that we can't Give to God generously, but maybe not quite that much. And his pastor said, "Well, no. I tell you what. We, we'll ask. We'll pray to God. I, I, I think we can try this." So they got on their knees to pray, and he said, "Dear Lord," he said, "My brother here is having trouble giving you ten percent of what he makes. So if you could just cut his salary back to forty dollars a week, so that he could give that four dollars again without burden." What he lost sight of the grace of God. Man, he should be thrilled he's making that kind of money. God's the one that allowed him to be able to do that and, and, and to be blessed. Another one here. Worry characterizes the pagan, not the believer. Look at verse 32. He says, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows what you need. You can trust God. To not trust God, you're acting like one who is not his child. It kind of hurts, doesn't it? Because we look in the mirror and we've all been there. I remember one time I had something that was a burden to me and I looked in the mirror and I stood there and I said, God, the magnificent one who created the heavens and the earth and all things and supplies every need and sustains every living being moment by moment. My problem is too big for you to handle. Man, I thought this retarded. Isn't it? He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. <laughs> and he can be trusted, guys. He can be trusted. 
you probably heard this before, but someone's given these stats on worry. He said 40% of the time we worry about things that'll never happen. 30% concern things we can't change. 12% center in criticism, mostly untrue. 10% relate to health, which worsens when you worry. And only 8% are legitimate concerns which we can do nothing about. And God says, you know, don't worry, and please don't worry on credit. Just make it worse. Extend it on. So what is some practical advice here on, on dealing with worry? Four words. Get my alliteration this morning. Words that begin with the letter P. The first one is the word presence. When you begin to worry, remind yourself, I am not alone. God is with me. God is with me. He says uh, in Isaiah 41.10, I, the Lord, will strengthen you and uphold you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He says, do not fear, do not be dismayed. That's our God. He is, he is a God that can be fully and completely trusted. Uh, he says in the Hebrews, never will leave you, never will forsake you. It was interesting, as I was looking for an illustration of this, um, I saw on YouTube, there's a video of sunflowers. You know, the thing about a sunflower is, it follows the sun. It always wants to point toward the sun. And so there was this whole field of sunflowers, and it showed throughout the day and how they speed up, what happened through the day. And the, and the flowers are moving toward the direction of the sun in order to face the sun. And, and that should be us, guys. We should be turning our lives to the direction of Jesus Christ so that we may see His grace and become aware of His presence and be reminded we're not alone. The second P word here is promises. Uh, getting the word and discovers promises. I spoke on Wednesday night of Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 uh, that tells us, um, Thou shalt keep him in per- or thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah's everlasting strength. Um, you can trust him and, and, and look at what his word is say. Y'all know Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 where he tells us you know, that, that trust in the Lord with all your strength lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him he'll direct your paths he'll make your path straight um, you know look in there and see what God has to say Psalm 37 uh, 4 and 5 he says delight yourself in the Lord and, and he will give you the desires of your heart commit your way to the Lord trust in him and he'll do this He'll make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the, the justice of your cause like a, the noonday sun. Uh, here's a good one, Psalm 4, 8. For those of you who ha- uh, battle with insomnia, <laughs> I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, and make me dwell in safety. Sounds like a good verse to memorize if you're having trouble sleeping and you're plagued with worry. Say, okay, Lord, you're with me. You're going to keep me safe. I can cut some Z's. I can snore a little bit in your safety. Lord. And third uh, P word here, prayer. Be specific with prayer. I thought, how in the world can you have a, a message on worry and not quote Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Got to, don't you? 
Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Anything. Don't be anxious. Pray. Cry out to God. Have a heart-to-heart with your Heavenly Father. Say, God, help! No sense trying to use a bunch of buttery, flowery words. Tell it like it is. He can take it. He's God. <laughs> Share your heart with Him. Uh, learn to pray. First uh, Peter 5, 7. I'd learned it years ago in the Living Bible. A little paraphrase. It says, Let Him have all your worries and cares, for He is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. What a thought, man. Always watching everything that concerns you. Let Him have those worries and cares. That's God. He's thinking about you. Um, and then one last one is uh, Psalm 55, 22. It says, cast your cares on the Lord and He'll sustain you. He'll never let the righteous fall. Cast your cares there. His shoulders are big enough. Pray. Talk to God. Last P word, <laughs> patience. Patience. I failed this one. Over and over it seems. Uh, but God calls us to be patient. Y'all know Isaiah 40, 31. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up wings as eagles. Run and not grow weary. Walk, not be faint. That's our God. Hey, hang in there. Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. Uh, so all these things are helpful. Patience, just to hang on, you know. I remember one old guy saying, they said, how, how, all this stuff that's happened to you, how do you survive? He said, I follow the example of Jesus. He said, I wait three days. And somehow it always seems to work out. His, his power. Um, let me close. Last illustration. Back up in the mountains of Colorado lived an old recluse who lived in an old shack and for years hunted for gold. When he died, there were no relatives, of course, close by, so some relatives from out of town drove up to get his few belongings. As they drove up and they saw the old shack on one side and then next to it was an outhouse, they thought, well, it doesn't look like there's going to be much here to get. So they went into the old shack, and as they looked, they saw an old table that was cracked down the middle and on it was a kerosene lamp that he obviously used for light. There was a three-legged stool that he sat on. Uh, man, you could even see uh, through the boards and the walls. You, know, you could see outside the light. So, rough place to live. Rough place to be. Um, he saw an old fireplace in there, an old cooking pot he cooked in, and his mining equipment. And then over on the other side was an old worn cot and a bedroll that was threadbare. They looked around, picked up a few relics, got in their car, started to drive off. When a guy came in a mule, old man in a mule, right before they left, pulled up to him and said, I'm an old friend. Do you mind if I go through there and pick up anything of value that's left? He said, yeah, sure, we're done. He said, you, you're open to what's left. So they drive off. He goes in the place. 
crawls directly under the table, pulls up a loose board, and takes out 53 years worth of gold that his friend had mined. Enough to build a palace. And then he ran outside, and in the far distance, he can see him driving off. And he speaks out loud as he says to them as they're driving off. They should have got to know him better. I guess as I say that, not with gold, but with Jesus. Why do we worry? We need to get to know him better. There is treasure beyond treasure. You know, the gold, I mean, think about it. All it really is is heavenly pavement. We'll be walking on it up there. Yeah, it's valuable here. But Jesus is of all value for all of eternity. He's the one to trust. With Him, there's thanksgiving. Without Him, there's worry. With Him, there's hope. Without Him, it's hopeless. With Him, there's heaven. Without Him, there's hell. I mean, come on, guys. This is not a hard quiz to figure out. We need Jesus Christ. And this invitation of this day that we call Thanksgiving is to know the one who has it all and gave it all that you might get it all to Calvary. Let's pray. Lord, uh, here we are again, Lord. We call this time invitation. We call it response. You know what mess-ups we are, Lord. You know how we miss the grace of God. We get caught up in what doesn't matter and miss the one who does matter. May it not be said, Lord, at a funeral when I parted to the other side. You needed to get to know him better. Help me, God, to walk with you. I just pray that for all of us here. If we're your kids, and help us to walk with you. If one here has not trusted you, has not found the treasure, of all treasures in Jesus Christ. Why not right now? Father, anyone, I just ask that that one bow his or her heart to you. Just be honest and say, I need you, Lord. I need you, Jesus, in my life. I'm just a frazzled mess of worry. And I need to know you that I may know the peace that you promise. Peace that brings forgiveness and peace that brings sustenance and ability to just keep going. And I just pray for that, Lord, that as we stand and as we sing, that as you call us, we may come in obedience to you, the God who wants us to enjoy thankful hearts instead of hearts filled with worry. In your name we pray. Amen.